Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith-Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. Today, I'm speaking with writer and director Sherwin Shalati. Raised in Los Angeles, Sherwin is a first-generation Iranian-American filmmaker with an incredibly diverse background in the entertainment industry. By the age of 23, he had worked on the hit television series Lost and directed the award-winning comedic short film I Kicked Luis Guzman in the Face, and then went on to direct the award-winning web series MarryMe.com. Sherwin's feature film debut, People You May Know, was released by The Orchard in the fall of 2017. Since then, Sherwin has directed episodes of television for WB's Lucifer, CW's Riverdale, ABC's Manifest, and multiple episodes of the Emmy-nominated Netflix series Trinkets. Sherwin joined us back during Series Fest season one and two when his production company partnered with us on the first two years of our Storytellers Initiative Writing Competition and returned this summer as a member of our jury for our season seven independent pilot competition. Hi, Sherwin. Hi, Kaylee. So good to see you. So good to see you. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I was thinking about it. Actually, I think you're the first person I know that did an independent pilot. Oh, yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like I did that kind of like just as becoming a thing to do. Like um, way before you know, I think it was a thing to do. If that was like 2007, 2008. Yeah, I want to say the first one because I've done two. One right. which you're you're very familiar with. Um, <laughs> but the first one was probably 2000. And, yeah, I think seven. And I think, um, you know, a group of actors that I knew, they, you know, had a, this great idea of just kind of like writing their own roles to act in. Um, so they kind of wrote this kind of mini pilot and they brought it to me and asked me if I would direct. And I'm like, well, what do you want it to be? Like a short, like, what is it? And they're like, no, no, it's a, it's, it's a pilot. And I'm like, but then no studio is like paying for it or is interested in it right now. Like, what are you going to do with it? And this is like when just the beginning of these TV kind of festivals were getting started, New York television festival. And I think there was another one in LA called like ITV fest or something like that. And right. And so we we went for it you know and it was it was a weird thing to produce too because um you know you don't it's sort of like you you want it to feel big and commercial but at the same time like you don't have any money so mm-hmm. it's like how are you how are you doing this how are you sort of positioning this to like for a network to get interested and i think everyone was at, at talk all for sure actors had all been talking about it's always sunny in Philadelphia that that pilot and what happened and the you know the the, the history of, of that show so right. that was always an inspiration to an entire generation of actors and and writers and um so I, I know that this group of actors they really were inspired by that um so we kind of just went for it and it was a crazy experience because we got it going and, and started shooting for like two days and had to shut the whole thing down because it was just going so haywire. Oh no. And our producer, um, who was, 
made a brilliant call at the time, said, let's pull the plug uh, right now and let's uh, regroup and figure out how to finish this thing. So um, we did that. And I think it took us another two, three, maybe even four months to, to finish the shoot. Um, but we did. And, and it was the right decision. We had the right energy and the right you know components to finish. And then they ended up submitting submitting it at um, the New York Television Festival. And, and I think they won best drama uh, best dramatic pilot and maybe even best ensemble cast so wow. it turned out it was a really great st- you know sort of ending to that and um and then after i did that clearly I, I did marry me with you and and that was an amazing experience and that thing won you know that indie pilot won awards as well and you yourself won awards and you know so after that it was like um you just started seeing these indie pilots happening more and more and it sort of kind of gave this green light to you know, filmmakers and actors and writers and, and, and everybody to say, Hey, let's not limit ourselves to thinking like we're only going to make shorts or features, you know, holy shit, we can make shows as well yeah. and pilots to, to give people an idea of what the TV show version of this idea can be. So it was really inspiring. It was cool. And, and I feel like, uh, I was, I was definitely at the sort of got to experience the, you know, the, the, the moments at the forefront, but, um, yeah, it's a lot of hard work too, you know, to, to totally. sort of um, put to, put together a pilot versus this kind of standalone short or standalone feature. You you definitely want to do enough to get someone hooked, but not give them the entire you know contents of the of the of the baggage, you know. So um, so yeah. Well, actually, what's interesting about Marry Me was I approached it really as a web series, which at the time there weren't really many out there. I mean, we shot. We shot an hour worth of footage in nine days, which is just crazy to think about. We did 16 episodes. And then it wasn't until you told me about these other, these festivals, ITV and and New York television, that I was like, oh, um, okay, we're going to string a few episodes together. And when I submitted it, I thought I was submitting, I think, as a web series. And then I remember when ITV called me and they were like, you got in for independent pilot. I was like, I was, I think I was confused. And then it was like, oh, this is a pilot which then honestly kind of hurt me and David later when we started shopping it. Um, You know, we got representation at CAA and and we were taking it out, but it was like really confusing for people because our pilot structurally was not a pilot, which is exactly what you were just saying, that pilots are so hard because you need to give enough to get someone hooked, but not too much. And my pilot was essentially like the first season of the web series of Marry Me, like missing clearly some of our episodes in there, but enough to st- tell a story. And I really do think that's such a challenge that we often see at Serious Fest and our programming team sees, you know, really creating um, something engaging, but something that, again, is not a short film and it's not a feature and it's a pilot and it's not a full series. So it's it's definitely a, a fine line to, to walk, especially when it's somewhat a proof of concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and I give huge props to the filmmakers who are, you know, putting great indie pilots together and, and doing it year after year and, and submitting to, you know, places like Serious Fest and getting attention and, you know, meeting executives. I mean, that's really cool that that is a, you know, sort of um, available to to people and to filmmakers and, and places like Serious Fest. You guys provide a home for that. I mean, um, yeah, uh, TV is a, it's such an amazing place right now in terms of the quality and, and the volume and the amount of, um, 
you know, buyers there are and the amount of places there are to see things and, and just, yeah, it's, it just hits such a crazy, I guess, you know, they, they use the phrase golden age of television. It's like, yeah, like ever since, you know, the, when I first did my first indie TV pilot in 2007 or something, it was like Breaking Bad and Mad Men and like all mm. these amazing shows that were like changing television. Um, and we're kind of operating in that's in this like peaking space right now. So it's, it's such a great time to be a TV creator. I think, um, you know, uh, it's just, you know, the more, the more places that can help people get discovered, uh, the better. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, is now that there's so many more platforms than there were clearly back, you know, when we did marry me or when you did the other pilot, like we, we have so many success stories of people selling their work to, you know, Hulu, James Lafferty and Stephen Coletti sold their show to Hulu, which started as a pilot that we screened at Series Fest a few years ago, and they kept doing episodes and they sold the entire series to Hulu. And now there's opportunities wow. for people um, to do that, which is really crazy. And there, we have multiple stories like that now, which is just amazing and exciting for the people who can, are continuing to create um, pilots. But I know you kind of had a different journey and didn't stay exactly on the independent pilot journey. So no, <laughs> no. So <laughs> well, you're directing a lot of television right now, which is which is very exciting, and it's a really becoming a television director um, is difficult and it's hard to break in. And the title of this uh, podcast is breaking in. So I I would love to hear from you how you broke in and I know it was quite a journey um, and it didn't happen overnight. Yeah, no, um, it certainly didn't. And, you know, as many times, as much as I wish that it did, you know, I realize now that the, the amount of, you know, the vast sort of array of experiences that I had, you know, on this road gave me the tools that I, we, you know, use so frequently as a director now. So I feel like, you know, it all worked out the way it had to work out. But um, yeah, I started off, um, I'm a medical school dropout. So I, I kind of abandoned that dream to pursue the dream of filmmaking. And I got a really great opportunity to work as an assistant on the TV show Lost in Hawaii. So I moved to Hawaii and, and, and worked out there. And um, it was a great experience. I really got to see sort of the biggest TV production at the time, you know, it was the game of wow. Thrones of the day, you know, um, at that time, 2006, 2007, seeing TV production on that scale gave me an awesome sense of, of, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and I knew I wanted to, you know, direct and, and, or be on the creative end of things. And, but, you know, coming, coming back from there, that's, that's when I, I came back to the mainland, I should say, came back to Los Angeles where, where I'm basically from. I, I was, raised there and um started you know did a short film called i kick louis Guzman on the face and i thought oh man i'm gonna do this short we got louis guzman it's gonna be great and it, and it was an amazing experience so fulfilling and um working with someone like louis guzman was such a gift he's such an amazing human being and actor um and got to work with my one of my dearest best friends adam Hendricks, who was produced it and co you know wrote it from there i guess in my head i was like okay then well you know after this, it's smooth sailing, you know, I'm going to get hired to do a movie and this and that. And, you know, I learned so much in that short film and, and then that, you know, had a nice premiere, Austin Film Festival, things like that, but it didn't really lead to anything. And then that's when I got a call from a, this group of actors to do the indie TV pilot. And then 
that went well and that led to working with you and that was an amazing amazing experience but still none of it was translating to me having a directing career like a way to support myself as an right. artist um and i got really a stroke of dumb luck um someone was calling my girlfriend at the time for a job um they got her resume for something and she was like well, what do you guys do and they said, oh, we're a commercial post-production company. We edit commercials. And she was like, well, I don't know how you got my resume. I have nothing to do with that. But my, my, my boyfriend is an editor. And, of course, as an indie filmmaker, everyone's an editor. All indie filmmakers are editors, right. VFX artists. Whatever you need them to be, they will be. So she was basically pitching me to get a job, get off the couch and get a job. And they were like, well, we don't need editors. <laughs> We've got some pretty huge editors. Um, but, you know, maybe there, there's a job here that he can do. So I go and I sit down and I interview with them. And uh, this company was called Lost Planet. And, you know, they didn't really have anything other than a vault position. And really what that is is um, uh, just logging tapes, lo mm. archiving tapes. That's, that's all it was. And there was a desk in the way back. And I thought, you know what, I can – I'll take this job. I can sit in the corner here. I can write screenplays. No one's ever going to bother me. It's going to be great. And, you know, the first couple months, that's exactly what I did. I wrote a whole screenplay in the, <laughs> in the corner while I was logging tape. Um, but then slowly I, I was exposed to the incredible people that were working there, um, the incredible artists that were working at this place. And it wasn't just your run-of-the-mill sort of like editorial house. This was uh, a really fascinating, artistically uh, driven company that was doing – amazing work and and uh, the kind of the figurehead of the company hank corwin he was a, a wonderful artist and a wonderful friend and, and a wonderful boss and you know i got to sort of see his process and see the other editors process and it just opened me up in the, to the world of commercials and uh, i had a, a a really dear dear friend of mine that i knew growing up that we ended up going to college together and were you know um as adults and still now to this day dear friends he was doing some work with athletes and he's a really entrepreneurial guy. And he's like, well, let's, uh, you know, let's do, um, let's like come up with a commercial for one of the athletes. Let's do it and you shoot it. And I'm like, well, who's going to pay for it? Like, what am I coming up with? What's the brand? What are we selling? He's like, no, no, no. The athlete is the brand. It's just something to like showcase the, the human being. So like, okay, cool. So I come up with something and we get the athlete to, you know, uh, get excited about it. And, uh, we shoot this, this little, I guess a series of like four tiny little commercials. So we're talking like they all happen in a backyard by a pool, but like different content, different jokes, things like that. We did it in a matter of 90 minutes, maybe of actual shooting with the athlete. And, um, his, that athlete's rep saw it. They liked it. The next year came around. And now, you know, that, that first time we did it, I, I was paying for it. The second time we did it, they were paying for it. So, and, and I'm not saying they spent a lot of money, but, you know, right. uh, and I and I certainly didn't get paid, but they at least paid for the production. Um, and so that I, I then had all these, you know, really talented editor friends um, who uh, I was were my coworkers. And I brought the footage back to them and I said, hey, guys, can you help me cut these into spots because they want to, you know, put them on NBA TV and things like that. Um, and. These two editors, who are my, my dear friends, now one of them has been cutting Modern Family for the last five years, and the other one just cut, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, which is was the biggest movie at the box office the last you know wow. month. 
Yeah. So these, these guys went off to do amazing things, um, but they also cut my shitty little indie, <laughs> you know, commercials as well. So, you know, my, the boss of the company, um, saw some footage of what I had shot and he was impressed. And he was like, do you want to shoot commercials here? Do you want to direct commercials here? And I thought I would love to direct commercials. I always had such a reverence for, you know, um, you know, commercial directors, people like, uh, David Fincher and, you know, Michael Bay who started in commercials and ended up being the biggest, you know, feature filmmakers. And, um, you know, so I, I thought the coolest artists, the coolest people were working in commercials, you know, like mm. they, you had so such latitude to experiment and, you know, I, I was so excited. So, you know, I, I had a few opportunities through him and that sort of through lost planet and that sort of fed into doing more work with athletes. And so, very quickly, I got kind of sucked into the commercial world, um, doing a lot of like, you know, some, some really big brands like GMC and, and EA and then really small things that were more like athlete brand oriented and, and, and that sort of thing. And it was such at the time I was, you know, this, this struggling filmmaker, at least I'm, I'm creating and being creative and that was really important to me, but I certainly wasn't, you know, saving any money. I certainly wasn't, I wouldn't call it supporting myself. Um, I, I, you know, but I was having a, a lot of fun and, you know, slowly I realized, Oh, maybe I can produce commercials as well for other directors. And, and so I did that for a little while and, you know, uh, it was hard. It was hard to chase down those clients and, and those, those brands and, and secure jobs for people. Um, and the more I did that, the more I realized, Oh shit, I'm getting farther away from my original dream, mm. you know, I, I, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm finding success in something, uh, you know, a, a degree of success. I wouldn't call it mega success or anything, but you know, at, at least I was being creative and getting to show my sense of humor, getting to show my, my point of view. Um, but it wasn't fulfilling me and it certainly wasn't keeping me on the path of, of, you know, feature film directing or television directing or longer form narrative directing. And, um, you know, I, I think when I look back on my commercial days now, I realize, um, damn, it was a great training ground for me. Hmm. Like just working in those, within those parameters, sometimes I had to shoot four or five spots, individual spots within like a two hour window with wow. talent, with talent that you said you have them for four hours, but really they show up when they show up and they leave when they want to leave. Hmm. So, you know, it, 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 it was unlike any other experience you, you could have, you know, you don't have that kind of experience on, on studio level stuff. And, you know, it really trained me to be, uh, resourceful, to be, um, able to pivot quickly and, and, uh, you know, make quick decisions. And, um, and that's really helped me as a, you know, film and television director um because i never i never feel like i'm caught on my heels i never feel and, and even though I, I might be but having you know eight years of like indie commercial directing basically um uh just m made me feel like you know there's always a way out of this situation there's always a way to a clever way to to pull uh you know the, the rabbit out of the hat so right um so yeah, I never, I never, I sort of never had that in my programming to feel defeated or to feel like I'm in a position like I can't find a way out of. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my commercial background. And, you know, funny enough, I haven't done a spot probably, 
I want to say in like, gosh, it must have been like six years now or five or five years or six years. I have not directed a commercial. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of miss it. I do miss mm. that sort of experience, but, um, I definitely don't miss like the hustle behind like, uh, <laughs> trying to go down grabbing the work. So, you know, somebody, if somebody called me tomorrow, I was like, Hey, we, we love you. We love your work. We you do this thing. And I didn't have to chase the work down. Sure. I'd be super down, but right, right. you know, it's those budgets get smaller and smaller every year. And the ask is bigger and bigger. And, you know, um, it, now I've got kids, I'm a dad and, and, uh, you know, I gotta be super selective what I do with my time, but I, I hope I do spots again in the future for sure. For sure. But, um, but yeah, that the commercial, I think there's no better training ground than, commercial directing at least to test your limits and to test your fortitude your filmmaking fortitude not necessarily translating to like your creative ability but at the very least like how you how you deal with um you know uh stressful situations on set so when you realized you were going down a path that you wanted to turn away from what were the steps you took to getting on the path to being a TV director? Because I'm sure that was also a scary leap to start saying like no to commercials and stop chasing those to pursue your dream. Yeah, for sure. Well, I got, I kind of got to the point in my career and in my life where, you know, I had just had a daughter, my first daughter and my, my incredible partner, she had been supporting me my entire career, whatever you want to, however you want to reference it. It wasn't quite a career, but supporting me during my journey of trying to be an artist, trying to be a full-time filmmaker. Um, and I could just see it was, it was wearing her down a bit. It was certainly wearing me down and I didn't want it to start wearing down my, my daughter. And I, I kind of came up with this, uh, promise to my wife and my, 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 my child. And, I kind of gave myself an expiration date and I said, I I don't want to be, I I personally didn't want to be that per that guy, you know, thinking that the big break is around the corner. It's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. And all of a sudden the clock keeps ticking and I'm 30, I'm 35, I'm 40, I'm 45, I'm 50, you know, um, I wanted to be, cause I knew that all I really needed to be happy was to be creative and, Mm you know, Hey, it's a bonus. If I can be creative and make a living doing it, that's super bonus. Awesome. So let's go for that. Let's go for that. But if I, if for whatever reason I couldn't, I knew I had the ability, but if for whatever reason the cards just didn't, you know, fall my way, then I I wanted to be able to pivot and move on to a different life and, and, but yet still be creative. Like I always tell my, I told my wife, like, we'll go be organic farmers and I'll just direct community theater, you know, and that'll be, that'll be perfect. It'll be a lovely life. Right. So I gave I gave her my promise that I told her by this time period, if I don't have some sort of semblance of a career, then we're, I'm done and you don't have to worry and I'm not going to blame anybody and it is going to be what it's going to be. And, you know, I gave it all I had. I knew I left it all in the field. Mm. So kind of once I made that declaration to myself and then sort of said it out loud, there was a bit of a freedom um, that came with that. And you know, shortly after that, like things began to strangely gravitate, uh, you know, towards, you know, I knew that the, the thing that would change the conversation around my work and my career sort of in the, in the quickest possible way would be a feature film, right? Like 
or or running out and, and writing something you know uh writing an incredible feature that i would attach myself to to direct or you know whatever but um you know it's kind of like what was going to come first what what opportunities would i have first and obviously we had the amazing opportunity to make um people you may know together and and that was sort of me saying i'm a you know universe i'm at peace like i i get a chance to finally tell tell a feature length film story with these incredible actors these these incredible talented people all around me what a joy what a gift if this is all i had i'll go you know i'll be done and i'll be very satisfied i'll move on to that next life so you know funny enough um you know, that opportunity was, was everything, was everything to me because that then led to, uh, the folks at Warner Brothers seeing a rough cut of that and them inviting me to participate or at least to, to apply to their TV directing program, which I was, had no intention of applying to. How did Warner Brothers see it? Was, did you, were you, did you have a manager or what was the connection? No, there? no, no manager, no agent. And I, you know, I, I, well, I shouldn't say that I had, um, I did a short film called the key, which was this ridiculous, um, comedy comedic short film that I did sign with a manager and sign with an agency. It, it kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, that relation, those relationships. But, um, when I finished people, you may know, and, and we were in, in editing for that, one of my dear Dear friends, uh, the same guy that I referenced, people, um, I think we used to be one of the face, Adam Hendricks, who's a producer, uh, really accomplished producer now. Um, and one of my dear <laughs> lifelong friends, um, he, uh, he called me and he said, Hey, I'm doing some work with Warner Brothers right now. And they asked me if I knew any directors who should apply to their TV directing program. I think you should apply. Wow. And I was like, no, this, this that's BS. Like I've, I've applied to these things. They don't go anywhere. And if they do go somewhere, you're just shadowing someone and you're, you know, wasting all this time. You're not going to get hired. And, you know, very like cynical view on the whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I didn't do it. And then the night before the application was, was due, um, my wife said, listen, just apply, just do it. And, you know, I've got a feeling about it. Just do it. So I did. <laughs> And, uh, you know, she was right. And I, you know, advanced to the next round and advanced to the next round, kept, kept moving forward. And in the middle of out my, my, my out, you know, process, interview process and all that for the program, they announced that this was the first year that the people who got into the program were going to get guaranteed episodes. Wow. So that was That's huge. Amazing. They never, they never, no program had ever done that. And uh, yeah, so, so my, you know, journey, and, and I say all that to say that H, that, um, Warner Brothers, uh, opportunity, the program, you know, I, I got that phone call and say, Hey, you're in, you're doing episode of Lucifer within weeks of my expiration date. Wow. Uh, that I had originally given my wife. <laughs> so, you know, I basically took it to the brink, you know, and I was very eager and ready to walk away and and happy to walk away. I'd made my peace with everything and and this thing happened. So truly, you know, you hear the story of like, you know, the 20 year overnight success or whatever. Um, In my case, it it was, you know, a good 15, solid 15 years. But I I used to wish like, why why can't I be, 
you know, <laughs> why can't I be Wes Anderson or like, you right. know, this director who's just like got discovered in their early 20s and they were like Paul Thomas Anderson, like make Boogie Nights when I'm like 23 years old, <laughs> you know, that would, that would have been so much easier. But then I realized, you know, I look back on all the different weird experiences I've had, you know, I was a colorist for a brief period of time. I obviously worked as an assistant editor or even a post producer, you know, things like that. And all those little weird moments in my you know, uh, grind, they come into play every day when I'm shooting, when I'm directing. And I just would not be the same director. Um, had I not had those experiences, had I been handed everything at the very beginning, I for sure would have blown it like a hundred different ways, Right. you know, but now I walk onto a set and I'm, I feel like the luckiest person there. And, you know, and, and it is, it is so much fun for me to do uh, what I do um, on a personal level. So, so yeah, I think uh, it all it all kind of unfolded the way it needed to. And you know, in the meantime, in the meanwhile of all this stuff, I was, you know, getting married and building a family, and you know, and all that stuff. So it was it was a it was a joy to sort of be able to not have to put something on pause while I was pursuing something else. Um, so now uh, to get to you know be surrounded by the people I love so very much um, and while I get to do the thing that I love is, is a total gift. That's amazing. Um, you touched on it a little bit with the, that how doing commercials really prepped you um, and going into television, but w- what, what's the biggest difference for someone listening who's done a few commercials or have done a lot of commercials and they're looking to direct television? What What's like the biggest difference or the, biggest thing you've learned on a television set that may that's maybe different or has served you definitely schedule right is is different you go from you know maybe prepping a couple of days to a week then you shoot for a day maybe two maybe three so everything's super compressed on a like a dramatic tv series you know you're the the standard um is you know 15 days of you know of prep and shoot. So, um, seven days of prep, eight days of shooting. So stamina wise, it's a different ball game. You, mm. you need to sort of be able to have the endurance to, to go that, that distance and, you know, and even features, obviously features. Um, what I did, when I did people, you may know, I had never done anything with that kind of schedule. You know, we, I think we shot for what, maybe all in all, what, 20, 20 days, maybe. Or 18 yeah, days. Yeah, I think I think we did. I think we did 15 in LA, and then we took a week break, and then went to New York. So I think yeah, yeah I for, think it like ended up days. being yeah. I think it was a 19 ended up being like a 19 day shoot. But yeah, in that middle of that second week, we were getting B12 shots in their trailers because we were all oh yeah. crashing so hard. <laughs> we were we were crashing and like we were all going so hard and prep. I think we prepped for like six weeks, and so anyway, it, it was. It was uh, definitely a shock to the system. So I think, you know, phys- the physicality of, of, at least for me, the way that I direct, like I don't just like kind of hang back in the chair and put my feet up. It's just not something that I, it's not my style. I, I like to get like right up in there and I'm usually standing all day and, and you know, changing my shoes at halftime and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, that that for sure the physicality is a big part of it. You need to have a, a different level of endurance going from commercials to to television. Um, I would also say, you know, you're 
you're working with uh, in in TV a, a lot of times with with talent, like I should say, actors who have a lot of experience, who have a lot of you know whether maybe they might be TV stars, they might be former TV stars, they might be feature film stars. Like I mean, people who have a lot of you know I, I don't want to say you know there's personas that come with a lot of the the people. So you know you're working with a normally a different caliber. Yes, you know you might work with like a famous athlete or a cameo style, you know, actor coming into a commercial. But, um, but I think you're juggling, you're generally juggling a more, uh, I don't want to use the word egos, but you certainly are juggling, you, you know, a, a lot of her, uh, you know, acting personalities at the same time. So I think mm. that's something you got to get used to. Um, but, you know, I, I think, what I liked to do, I, I, I like to keep my sort of commercial directing sensibilities and I like to just, I don't try and change them at all when I, when I bring them to directing television. Cause I feel like that makes it kind of unique. That approach and that lens um, is something you don't really see in TV. I think part of why Warner brothers, and if you ever talk to Rebecca Windsor um, and, or Chris Mack or the, the, the folks who, who got me into the program there. Um, if you ever, you know, part of what got me into the program is the fact that there aren't a lot of people who were going from commercials to television. So mm. I think they liked the fact that I had this commercial background um, because they, they probably thought like, Oh, let's see what this, <laughs> let's see what this experiment will yield, you know, bring someone right. from commercials to do, to do TV. And, and I think, um, it was a it was a really good instinct by them because I, I I sort of never severed that tie with sort of let's let's see what like what's possible what's the wildest way to tell this story what's the kind of most memorable most interesting most impactful most poignant way to you know lay this scene out or whatever and that directly comes from sort of commercial directing knowing you've got fifteen seconds you know thirty seconds sixty seconds to to like grab somebody so. Um, you know, there's a lot of examples in the, you know, almost 20 episodes of TV that I've directed that are like these little micro moments that I have like dragged out or milked or whatever, because that's just my sensibility. And that's the way that, you know, I sort of um, got trained up through through commercial directing. Um, but, yeah, I think I think, the, the you know, there, there are a lot of several there are several things that are, are drastically different from from commercials to TV, but I will say this, I think as long as you approach either medium with, with preparation, so with a, a degree of respect so that you are, you're preparing yourself as you walk in, um, to a set on a commercial set or a TV set. Um, and you're not sort of like editing your instincts, you follow your instincts. I think you'll be successful in, in either medium. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, People start failing when they begin to uh, doubt their instincts and they and they start to just uh, question if they're going down the right path or not. Um, I feel like if you know our, our great superpower as artists is that we have this instinctual muscle and we need to to trust it. So so yeah, I think there is a through all mediums there's a, a common through line and and that is. You know, preparation and instinct. I think those are the two things that are, are the most uh, valuable tools to carry with you. That makes a lot of sense. You know, got to be present and ready to go at any moment on those sets. So, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, instinct is what 
separates all of us. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I don't think no, there are no two people who have like the same exact instinct all the time. So it's yeah. like, you know, that's what makes us unique. And that's, that's what makes people want to hire you and to, to come and do something and to elevate their show or your own show or whatever it is. You know, it's like, let's, let's not forget. We have these incredible magical powers. We all do, you know, and, um, we we got to listen to that. What have you been your greatest lessons learned on set that maybe was a setback? Um, maybe not necessarily directing um, on one of the television shows, or maybe it is, but something where something went wrong or you made a mistake and you learned from it. And now every time you go onto set, you know to do something differently or you approach the work differently. There's always things that, you know, you sort of you learn and you take away. I will say this. One thing that I did learn um, is you cannot please everybody. And that was something that, you know, at first I was taking it really hard. I did, I did an episode of something kind of earlier on in my career and I, in my mind, knocked it out of the park, like crushed it, you know? And um, then I started feeling, you know, some strange tension with the, producer and i was i thought i'm you know i'm killing it over here for you you know whatever and basically by the time i was done you know i I was chasing the approval of this person so hard um and i and i and i looked you know i took a step back and i was like what are you doing like what why do you care so much like you you need to i'm getting hired to do something but at the same time, I'm showing up and I'm expressing myself artistically and putting myself out there and, and trying to deliver the, you know, the thing that I think is, you know, the way that the way that I see TV directing specifically, especially when you walk into someone else's set is you want to give them what they didn't know they wanted. And so that's, you know, that's what I thought that I was doing. I'm going to show you something that you didn't even know was possible, you know. So anyway, needless to say, um, the episode turned out great but the it wasn't like i would say everyone got off like gangbusters and so for a while i was like beating myself up up, thinking like what did i do wrong like how could i have done things differently like should i you know zigged when i should have zagged like whatever and the conclusion i came to after doing it you know spending some time away from it and and looking back on it and talking to more people and things like that was like dude sometimes it just you know people are just not your people or you are just not their people. And that is okay. Hmm. And there's no reason to like, you know, chastise yourself over it, beat yourself up over it. Um, it just is what it is. And you, and, and you should be completely okay with that and, and never feel like you're chasing this, this approval thing. You know, if you go out there, you believe in yourself, you do the work that you feel good about, there are going to be people who want to hire you for days, you know, and you'll get rehired by a bunch of the same people and some people won't rehire you and that'll be perfectly fine. And so I think it was a self-preservation thing that I, I really learned um, kind of early on in my career that I'm so grateful for that it happened earlier um, because, you know, had I been like chasing this dragon of approval, um, I, I don't think I would be, in a good mental space, you know? (laughs) So I I think that's been kind of a global lesson for me. Um, 
is uh, there's just no pleasing everyone, and you just got to go out there and leave it all. I always use this analogy, leave it all on the field. Feel like there's nothing else you could have done and that you were super collaborative and and a joyful person on set. You brought your, your you know, creative essence, and, and then you move on. Yeah. Well, and I think you also just said something in that you said it's their show and remembering as a TV director, you're walking into someone else's playground, you know, um, each time, which is a challenge, you know, it's very different clearly than when we did people you may know, and that was really your vision and, and everything with television. I know it's, it's different. It's absolutely different for sure. And I think you do want to walk into a TV show with a huge level of respect for the show and, and all the people that are busting their asses to, to get that thing on the air and, and to create it and just from the ground up and all that stuff. So you, you certainly want to make their show 100%. And I, and I, and I absolutely try to, it's the key is making that impact where you're, like I said, you're bringing something that they didn't know they wanted, but they're excited about, you know, once, once you're done. So it's like right. that's the, the needle that you must thread because, you know, I think it's, you know, anyone can sort of show up and shoot the show and, you know, copy every single shot in your previous episodes and things like that, or the way to tell the story or whatever. Um, and there certainly are aspects of every show that kind of want to feel consistent, but, but yeah, how are you elevating the moments? And like, I think that's, that's what will keep a TV director working and growing and, and, uh, you know, sort of how, how, what are, what are those moments? How are they being treated? You know? Well, before we sign off, I have one last question for you. If you could have worked on any television show in history, what would it have been? Say by the bell, the, the, the original. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, what, what would you what would you have done on Saved by the Bell the original? Would you would you have played oh, Zach man. Morris? Oh, you mean as an actor? No, no, I mean literally. What if you could have done anything? A director, writer, actor. I mean. Oh, uh, yeah. Honestly, I probably would have like loved to be a writer on The Simpsons between seasons three and ten. Oh, that's awesome. That's a good answer. I like that one. Yeah, it would have been so, I feel like it would have been so much fun. Um, Was that when Lisa sang the blues? I used to, I had that album. You remember Lisa, Lisa Sings the Lisa Blues? Lisa Sings the Blues? Yeah, I used to sing that, that all my, the time. I loved that. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was good. I did have that 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 cassette tape and Bartman. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it might have been Lisa Maybe Lisa Sings the Blues season two, I think. But anyway, Was it earlier? Yeah, yeah. It, it just so many amazing writers came, uh, comedy writers came out of those seasons. And um, so, so much of my sense of humor as an adult was shaped by those specific seasons of The Simpsons because those really were the ones where I grew up in, in, in the suburbs of L.A. Um, where the syndication had gotten a hold of those mm. episodes. And they were literally playing the Simpsons three times a night, my entire high school. And, and, and those episodes were basically seasons three through 10. So I was watching three episodes of Simpsons from freshman year to senior year. And it was so, such a big part of my, my childhood. It's a big part of my, you know, sort of, uh, years transitioning to an adult. So I love that. I didn't know that about you. Oh yeah. I love that. That's funny. I didn't know that about you. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much for your time and all of your insight. I'm so proud of you, of everything you've done and you're doing. And it's, it's great to get some advice from you and, and hear, hear your journey. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I am so grateful for you as a artist and creator and, and even more as a friend. So I'm so proud of you and, and, and thank you for your friendship. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. Series Fest is a nonprofit organization and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at seriesfest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook. <laughs>